0: See it, don't need to.
1: Didn't see it, didn't see it. Hello, and didn't welcome it, to the special year end edition didn't of see Didn't it. See It, Don't need, need To, where we don't watch it, don't need movies, need so you to. don't have to. Didn't, 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 didn't see it. I am here. I am Sarah Miller. I am here with my co host. Introduce yourself, co host.
0: My name is Joshua Clover welcome to the tail end of 2021 a year for the books they're not going to be good books but we're here to say we really didn't see some movies this year and that's why we're having a special year end episode hi everyone
1: welcome 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 so our special year end episode uh we have selected five the five movies we didn't see the most uh, we we each of us picked five movies that were like, wow, I, I really did not see this movie. 100%. Th- these movies are movies we intensely did not see.
0: There's some of the didn't see in movies around. And what we did, because this is nothing if not a collaborative venture, is we shared with each other our lists of five movies we extremely didn't see. Between the two of us, this is 10 movies that neither of us have seen. And then we developed questions, 10 movies we didn't see, 10 questions we will ask about not seeing them.
1: I'm going to go first.
0: I'm so ready for that. I didn't know. That's a surprise to me. I like having a surprise. I feel ready.
1: Okay. So the first movie on your list was No Time to Die, the James Bond movie, which I also did not see. Although I don't know if I didn't see it as intensely as you didn't see it. And here's my question. No Time to Die was produced by Barbara Broccoli, who uh, has produced a lot of James Bond movies since, uh, since 1995, when her father, Albert Cubby, Cubby Broccoli... Broccoli.
0: <laughs> oh, I know about Cubby.
1: Um, ...handed over control of Eon Productions to uh, the production company responsible for the James Bond series, to Barbara and her half-brother, Michael G. Wilson. They continue to run the company. So my question for you is... What is your favorite vegetable?
0: That is a puzzler. I feel a little bit trapped because I'll be honest, I freaking love broccoli. I love all the cruciferous vegetables, I think. I may not know all the cruciferous vegetables, but the ones I know, which is like broccoli and cauliflower, okay, I'll come clean. I happen to love both broccoli and cauliflower. However, for the last several years, and I think you and I have uh, even eaten this delicious treat together, For the last several years, I've been in a really strong Brussels sprouts wave after not being really into them in my life. And I'm not very good at cooking them myself, but when I go to a restaurant where it seems like they know their way around a Brussels sprout, that's my move. I'm going with Brussels sprouts, even though I can't make a clear connection from that to James Bond, as much as I might like to, for all I know, a significant portion of this movie happens in Brussels. Who knows? I didn't see it.
1: I just want to tell you that I have an excellent Brussels sprouts preparation that i a recipe I'm going to send you. It's a Brussels sprout. You, you grate them raw and then you, you make a salad out of that. And it's like, it's like a Brussels sprout slaw.
0: Um, okay. You know that I respect and love you. Salad is for hippies. I'm going to pass. Moving on to my first question, which is about the movie Venom, which was first on your list. I have a very simple question for you can you explain to me what this movie is or what it's about? Because I've seen ads for this movie and even a full trailer, and I have no idea what this movie is about, what's up with it, which is one small part of the reason that I didn't see it and don't need to.
1: I saw several ads for this movie. Um, They appear to consist of someone having a larger than usual mouth with like fangs in it and then half of their mouth it was like a person and then like half of their mouth was like a fang face
0: like julia roberts
1: right but like but worse didn't see it don't need to so i would say this movie is about a person who wants to be julia roberts makes a deal with the devil and then ends up having like just a giant half of their face is a fang um but but in all seriousness i guess i just thought it was about I guess I thought it was about a person who turns into something that has fangs. Uh, That's all. That's about all I can come up with.
0: I appreciate that. I feel slightly better informed than I was before, or maybe worse informed, which is also a good outcome. I'm ready for my next question.
1: So me, you madness is a movie that was made by the wife of Steven Mnuchin. And her name is Louise Linton. And the first I ever heard of Louise Linton was when she wrote that memoir, that like white savior memoir thing that about Zambia that came out in like 2016. And, and, and I just realized that she was the same person that was married to Steven Mnuchin. So I did not know that was her until today. I was sitting in my car reading uh, Wikipedia and I was like, wow. Anyway, so uh, this is Louise Linton's movie, and it's about uh, someone who, it's it's about like a serial killer who also is glamorous, but has a bad personality. Anyway, if she, if her next movie was called, instead of Me You Madness, if it was called Meow Madness, what would happen in it?
0: Wow, excellent question. I'm pretty sure it'll be amazing. And I'll confess of movies on my list. This is the one I sort of wish I'd seen. It's true I didn't see it. So I'm, I'm, I'm honoring our contract as it were, but you know, I, I have seen a clip or two of Louise Linton acting and it's a sight to behold. And I sort of wish I'd watch it for, for that reason. So I'd like to imagine that in Meow Madness, you know, well, she would play a person who's gone, gone mad and periodically thinks that they are a, uh, a dog. And a cat tries to make friends with her and she's trying to understand if this is a, a cat dog friendship or a cat human friendship because she herself is confused about what she is and hilarity ensues.
1: Um, I actually feel like that sounds like a, not a terrible not such a bad movie in
0: a way no we would both see it we would would, come up in the podcast because we would be there opening night i
1: think i would totally see it
0: yeah so uh the next movie on your list was godzilla versus kong however when you sent me your list you wrote down gorilla versus kong is it true that you would secretly like to see a movie of kong fighting himself for 120 minutes, a sort of Jekyll versus Hyde or something like Fight Club, but on Skull Island. Is that a secret desire of yours?
1: Yeah, I think that would be fun if they had a movie about King Kong where he fought himself. It was sort of a more of a philosophical, like existential type, um, it'd probably be a little bit pretentious, um, but I would probably, there's a chance I would see that, especially, if it was just like a person or two people wearing King Kong suits. So the next, mo- the next movie on your list was Spider-Man colon No Way Home. And the question I want to ask you as a person who's lived in California for a long time is, do you have a good story about a black widow?
0: I sure do. Thank you for asking. Uh, my mom, who grew up in the Central Valley of California, was born in a town so small, or you know, raised in a town so small it doesn't even exist anymore. And I don't know how many of our listeners, hi Roxanne, are familiar with the Central Valley of California. But you know, you get up north of Sacramento, and it's basically Texas. It's uh, it's the country. And my mom, when she was a kid, she was a pretty. I, I, I my sense of things is she was a pretty, a pretty ferocious kid, uh, and she used to catch black widows the larger the better and keep them in a sort of homemade terrarium jar in her bedroom so she had de facto pet black widows that's my story thank you for asking
1: yeah my black widow story is basically like i've seen one about twice and i was like holy shit fuck a black widow and then got someone to kill it i guess
0: Uh, i'm gonna move on to my next question This is about the movie that was third on your list, and this movie is Dear Evan Hansen. Why would you be so unkind as to remind me of the existence of this movie?
1: For some reason, the other day, I saw Dear Evan Hansen written about somewhere, and I remember seeing the posters for it on bus stops and so on, and then I forgot, and I was like, that looks horrible, and then I forgot about it, and then I read about it the other day, and I looked it up, and I read the Wikipedia plot of dear evan hansen and i was just like i mean we have not seen a lot of movies this year and i fact, was yeah. i was blown away by how much the uh the extent to which dear evan hansen was even worse than all the other movies that i hadn't seen i and really so, like
0: uh, to think i could have made it through the remaining years of my life never thinking again of. Uh, but you know here you have thrust it in front of me dear evan hansen i want to thank you for that go on sorry i cut you off
1: no i mean i i I don't even, I don't really remember. It's like about someone who, someone causes somebody to commit suicide by like writing a fake note. And then it ends with people feeling good about themselves. And it's, it's, unbelie- it's unbelievable. It makes you, just like the, the fact that this existed was just sent me into a panic.
0: I feel like one of my core, I wouldn't say it's a commitment. I do not do it on purpose. Just maybe like a core personality trait is an admiration for and faith in the tastes of youth. In a way, this is self-serving And you know, I continue to have musical tastes, as you know perfectly well, I have the musical taste of a 14-year-old girl, and I'm proud of it, man. You know, and, I, and I, I'm, as a teacher, I, I teach mostly 17 to 22-year-olds. And, you know, I really like working with them, and, and that's a great part of my job. And I generally think they have, you know, excellent taste and a sense of the world so I'm trying to figure out what the market is for this movie. Like, I, I really don't want it to be other young. I know it's about young people at high school students, I think, or junior high students or something. I don't know. But I really would like to imagine the market is just, you know, awful 60 year olds or something. I have no idea.
1: So the next movie, your next movie that you did not see that I also did not see was Red Notice. And one of the stars of Red Notice, in addition to The Rock, Steve, Steve uh steve, what's his name
0: dwayne johnson dwayne
1: john i was like steve austin no it's That's dwayne Johnson. stone
0: cold steve johnson you're getting your your major former wrestlers confused
1: uh he's in it <laughs> and gal gadot is in it and so my question is in reference to gal gadot is imagine yourself at a party and you are going to get yourself a glass of dry white wine and you end up talking to someone. I was thinking of a woman, but it could be a man, too. And for some reason, you start talking to them and they say, oh, I just saw Wonder Woman with my daughter. And I I really just love these movies. I think it's so important for young girls to see women kicking ass. How do you respond?
0: I don't think this is a fair question because as you know perfectly well, my answer to this question is like seven hours long, and I have no intention of submitting our listeners to such a discourse. I will just say that the new mayor of New York, Eric Adams, who's a former lieutenant in the police force, just appointed a new police chief of New York. It's a woman. It's the first African-American woman who's ever been head of the New York police force, and it really was just, you know, there's that sort of meme on Twitter where, you know, there's a clap emoji between each word, and it says, more women prison guards, as if, you know, that, that, that somehow is, like, desirable and makes the world better and safer if there's more prison guards who are women, when it's not, it's just more prison guards are bad. The idea that, like, women kicking ass is, in and of itself, in some essential way, good, I don't really buy, you know, that's a a kind of politics of representation. I don't think is is correct. And here we've bracketed the entire, you know, Godzilla in the room, so to speak, which is the fact that Gal Gadot, not just an ass kicking woman is, you know, a former member of the Israeli defense force, the, the Israeli army. She is a weapon of the Zionist state. And, you know, I think the Zionist state, not the Jewish people, but the Zionist state needs to be utterly annihilated. So people who are, you know, instruments of that Zionist state, they don't get any women kicking ass credit from me. Thank you, Viand.
1: All righty. Thank you.
0: Thank I you know that me. didn't come as any surprise to you on a later note. But
1: wait, but wait, I asked oh, you, wait, what do you, what do you say? What do you say?
0: Are you a fucking Zionist? <laughs> that, would, that might be my first move depends you know whether i'm ready to throw down or not if i have a couple of drinks in me already i think i think my my maneuvers could be somewhat different depending on whether i wanted to actually start a fight or not uh but you know i mean most of the answer to that question is yeah probably
1: i i actually have this interaction a lot and i usually go "Mm," i walk away and if i had a lot of drinks which is often the case I might say the same something similar but thank you yeah well I mean
0: what you say in a given situation is often quite variable and who it is and what kind of mood you are and what kind of space it's in but you know the main thing is if someone says that to me they'd have to be a complete stranger because anyone who knows me would know enough not to say that shit so it'd have to be a complete stranger and and so like imagining what you'd say to a stranger that really depends a lot on mood some nights you're receptive to strangers and are willing to sort of see what's there, you know, and sometimes you're not, I don't know. It, it, it changes a lot. Right. Um, We
1: we can can cut this out, but I just want to say, it's very interesting that you say anybody who knows you wouldn't say that to you because people know me and they say stuff like that to me all the time. And I'm kind of starting to wonder why.
0: (laughs) I think it's because you are and or perform being open to other views you know in your in your journalism in your twitter presence no i don't mean that you're like a liberal both sidesist i'm not suggesting that i mean that you're like you know this is just like if you want to know what i think here's this but you know i'm i realize other people think other, you're a, you're a um you're thoughtful uh and you're not always trying to be uh polemical and confrontational and i think that's you know uh, um there's plenty of honor in that that's that's not how i turned out I, I mean, I do think that we're powerfully socialized, so powerfully socialized to be open-minded, not abrasive, and, and so on. And some of that socialization is gendered, of course. But, you know, we're so powerfully socialized that way, that we often experience ourselves as being very abrasive because we're contravening that socialization, even when we're not being all that abrasive in the scheme of things. It turns out, as I've learned sort of the hard way, sometimes you have to be pretty abrasive to make it really clear that it's not just like a thing you thought of this morning. It's not just like a casual opinion that it's kind of a make or break thing. Like I actually literally want to have nothing to do with you. And I don't want to share air with you if you're a Zionist, right? Like getting that across to people, is actually not as easy as you think because people tend to be like, ha, "Ha well, in the end, aren't we all just, ha, ha? uh, and you know, are willing to stay at the party. And, uh, sometimes you don't want to stay at the party.
1: Uh, Yes.
0: We're going to move on. I'm going to ask you a question about a movie on your list. So the next movie on your list was the movie Cruella. There's a quasi dubstep band called Cruella, spelled differently, that I know you've heard a little bit of. There's also a famous cook named Nigella, who you've also heard a little bit of. Do you think the movie Cruella sounds more like the band Cruella or the cook Nigella? I am killing it Now I'm aiming for quite a solid mash at this stage but I still need a bit of milk full fat which I've warmed in the microwave eh? uh,
1: I think it sounds more like the band
0: Okay good to know uh, that makes me want to see it a tiny bit because I'm, I'm I'm kind of a fan of the band Cruella so yeah, if, if that were true, if you're correct I might, I might see that movie uh,
1: Interesting, I don't I don't think I, I don't think I, I still don't think I would see it. In fact, I'd be more likely to see it if it was more like Nigella.
0: Probably. Well, see, that's why, that's what makes this a good podcast is, is you're Nigella and I'm Cruella. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, uh, let let that not be our accidental tag that we have to live with for the rest of time. Uh, moving on. I'm ready for my next question.
1: So the next movie that you really did not see. And you know, I actually, if if I were going to make a nomination for a movie that we both really didn't see, I might nominate this one. But you could actually nominate a lot of these. But this is a good, uh, a good contender. Um, It's called Tick, Tick, Boom. It's from a musical that was written by the person who wrote Rent, Jonathan Larson, I guess he wrote Rent. And then they found this somewhere. And we're like, Oh, we should because he died right before they put Rent on. And I guess maybe they found this and we're like, well, we should produce this one. I don't know. Uh and the plot of this Tick Tick Boom is that it's a, it's about a young musical theater writer in New York and he's turning 30 in 1990 and he really wants to be a musical theater writer, a musical writer, whatever, I don't know, whatever it's called. And he's very upset because he's not more successful. And so the first song from this is is actually 3090, which is about how he's turning 30 in 1990 and he's not successful. I did, I did not listen to the song. Stop the clock. Take time out. Anyway. You- I know that you are not 30 in 1990 but you were 30 maybe between three and five years later I, I, I can't remember exactly how old you are but I know that you're a little bit old, younger than this person would be if he were still alive if you were going to uh, sing a song that is like uh, you know 30 you know 94 or whatever it, what would your song be about
0: So, yeah, I guess my song would be called 3092. I turned 30 on the next to last day of 1992. But, you know, what do I remember from 1992? Wasn't that the year of like the LA Olympics and that car drove into a crowd of people waiting to get on a bus to go to the Olympics and killed a bunch of people? But sort of that trajectory of the driving car murders, what I associate most with 1992, I know that's a little cobrammer, but, you know, could I come up with a song about that? I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe that's too grim to develop an actual musical number about driving a car into a crowd. But, you know, in a metaphorical sense, this movie is basically, you know, the same as driving a car into a crowd. Don't panic, don't jump ship, can't fight it. Like at least it happens only once in your life. This movie tied it together for me the first movie on my list was called No Time to Die. And this is about a guy who dies too young. And then it's got, you know, just as I would never see Red Notice because it has Gal Gadot in it. This, I would never watch this because it's directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda who I'm just certain is terrible. So this movie really put the whole package together for me uh, in a lot of ways. I'm gonna uh, leap from that to my final question for you. We've talked about nine movies so far. This is the 10th and final. Movie of our 2021 year end didn't see, mm, didn't need to podcast. And this movie is A Quiet Place 2. Now, I don't really believe in the concept of guilty pleasures, but I'm not entirely without shame. I basically liked A Quiet Place 1, but I feel a lot of shame about that. And in general, feel shame about liking anything involving John Krasinski. What was the last movie you saw that you feel a certain amount of shame about enjoying and why?
1: My partner and I, my boyfriend and I, I, I've decided I can't bear, personally bear the word partner. My boyfriend and I watched Rebecca, the remake on Netflix, I would say about a year ago. And we, uh, we had some cocktails and we smoked some weed and we don't, we're not real big like weed smokers certainly not together and we were like we're gonna like smoke weed and drink drinks and watch a movie and we watched rebecca the remake with army hammer and some english woman who had an affair with the guy that was in the wire can't remember her name and it was like it was right when that came out that she'd had an affair with him and it was before that it came out that army hammer was a like a sexual predator anyway it was So enjoyable. I I had such a great time watching it. The acting is terrible. Everything about it was not good, but I had, and I never saw The Other Rebecca, and I probably never will because I just don't really like that genre of movies and it's really old. I don't really like super old movies. I kind of get bored. Uh, So I, I loved it. It was like one of my best memories of, you know, the whole sort of COVID times was watching that movie with my boyfriend we had a great time and we both loved it
0: i'm always happy to hear about someone else's happy experience at the movies i did not see rebecca i don't need to i never quite got the Kristen scott thomas thing i mean i feel like i only have space in my heart for like one gifted british actor and i'm an emma thompson person one of the great regrets of my life, I have several, but one of the really greatest regrets is that I saw that movie, The English Patient, which like, what was I thinking? How did that happen to me? Actually, I had an amazing experience. This is important about not seeing movies. So I went to see The English Patient in Berkeley, California, and I was sitting up front as I like to do. And did you see The English Patient? Can I ask you, did you see The English Patient? You, oh, you did, famously, uh, because as some, as some of you might know, so remember she, she's making hand gestures. She saw that movie 22 times. Um, no, she, she's written about this movie and she's written about writing about this movie. Uh, and, and so lots of stuff for you to Google if you want to. But so I see the movie. I'm sitting in the front row. Beautiful movie theater. Got my legs out because there's no seats in front of me. I'm eating my candy. The movie starts up and uh, a little bit behind me, I hear someone talk and I will admit, I try not to be a dick, but I do not really like people talking around me in the movie theater. I'm trying to listen to the movie. And I, I, don't, I don't shush them, really, but I don't like it. It's a weird thing, right? Because you don't want to get too passive. aggressive. like, I'm so angry, but I'm not saying you. But there I was sitting there getting angry and not saying anything. And what the person was doing, it was a man's voice, quite oddly, was just narrating what was happening on the screen. The, so the movie opens with a shot from a plane of, like, desert, rippling desert sands. You can't even quite tell what they are at first rate. Right? It's kind of an abstract And he's just—he's like, well, we're we're looking down something from above. It's sand. Oh, it's from a plane flying over. And I'm like, why? Why? And he just kept doing it. And eventually, the movie ended, and I got up and angrily looked around, and it was a couple. And he'd been narrating the movie to his sightless partner, um, who had gone to the movies with him, and and he was just telling her what was on the screen, and she was listening to the dialogue and it was really an absolutely extraordinary I still don't know how to feel about it to this day but it certainly is an, a useful lesson to me and thinking about what might be happening around me and not looping to conclusions too easily it was really that's what I remember like nothing about the movie except that I hated it uh but that particular experience felt really powerful didn't see it
1: don't need to so we have come to the end of the road here of the 2021 road of this podcast and um, we're going to we're going to keep not seeing movies in 2022.
0: I hope I feel like 2022 is going to be filled with movies I didn't see and didn't need to.
1: I look forward to not seeing those movies and talking about them with you.
0: It's helpful to remind people that not seeing movies is a collective effort. Really it's a collective
1: nice. it's it takes a village. To, to, not not, see a movie. <laughs> to not see a movie but that, that's not true because it's really just the two of us and then the th- our three fans
0: oh, a small village
1: yes a small village a, a village of five well thank you for, thank you for listening uh, I'm Sarah Miller from therealsarahmiller.substack.com and this is Joshua Clover my co-host and he just wrote a book called Roadrunner you can google Joshua Clover and Roadrunner and you will find that book and our, our editor is erica Halman. our music uh is written by chuck lindo and chuck is gonna write new update he's gonna write updates on our theme song same thing but a little you know maybe some heart i don't know he's gonna change it up a little bit and uh our graphics are from rebecca ackerman so thank you and have a wonderful have a wonderful day
0: happy new year friends and happy we'll see new
1: you year. next year hey,